BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Hello and welcome back to the Roto Experts Daily Podcast. I am Scott Engel, the Managing Director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy here with you five days a week as we continue to work up to Super Bowl 53 on Sunday between the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots. The Los Angeles Rams have never won a Super Bowl. The St. Louis Rams have won a Super Bowl. I had a very interesting conversation with uh, Gabe Morency yesterday as I was filling in on game time decisions. And really, if you're a Los Angeles Rams fan, I wonder, do you consider the St. Louis Rams to be that same team? Do you consider them to be the same franchise? Or do you really only have emotional ties to the Los Angeles Rams of old, which a lot of you younger Rams fans really never got to see. The players, when you hear them talk like Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, etc., they kind of consider it the same team. And there's some talk that if the Rams win this week, it's revenge for the first time that the Patriots beat them. But to me, yeah, Kurt Warner never played Los Angeles. Mark Marshall Falk never played Los Angeles. It's to, to me, they're almost like two different teams. But that I guess that's just the way I personally look at it. I, I don't know if, if everybody else does. Uh, I'd like to hear from you if you're a Rams fan. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at, Scott, at ScottyRotoX, and I'll certainly share your thoughts here on the show. I'd like to know if you're from Los Angeles. Uh, do you see the St. Louis Rams as something you, you put aside in your mind? Because... I guess if uh, I was rooting for a team and they moved away to another city, I'm I'm not going to root for them anymore. It's almost not like the same franchise. I don't expect the players to look at it the same way. The players have a different viewpoint than I think that the fans do. You know, the players wear the uniform. They're constantly traveling on the road, et cetera. Uh, They're more tied to the organization, et cetera. You know, you have some guys who played in Los Angeles and played in St. Louis. Uh, but to me, they, they're almost like two different teams. Like when they do that thing on Monday night football, where, uh, they look back at past play. I think it's a great thing that they do on Monday night football where they take some of the current players and then they look back at some of the past players in franchise history and Jared Goff 
is looking at film of Kurt Warner and complimenting Kurt Warner on his play, I'm like, well, the Los Angeles Rams and the St. Louis Rams, they really aren't the same franchise to me. Now, look, I think this is personally subjective. This is neither right nor wrong. But if a team moved away, to me, personally, uh, I, I really don't consider them to be the same franchise. And I'll tell you something personal. I've been a Seattle Seahawks fan since I've been in high school. And pretty much for every year that I've seriously watched football. Well, when I was growing up, I really didn't watch football a lot. I just liked Joe Namath. And I called myself a Jet fan because I liked Joe Namath. If Joe Namath had happened to play for the Eagles, I might have said I was an Eagles fan. I just happened to like Joe Namath as a kid. I thought he was cool. So I said I was a Jet fan because I lived in Flushing. I lived near Shea Stadium, but was I really a Jet fan? I, I didn't even go to a single Jet game uh, the entire time I lived there. Uh, but I should have went to at least see an NFL game, but uh, my dad always said the tickets were too expensive and it was too cold to go there. And I heard legendary stories about the Shea weather. But the point being is when I started seriously watching football, the Jets said they were going to move to New Jersey. And I said, well, now that I'm seriously watching football and I really got to pick a team, I said, I'm not rooting for a team that's moving to another state. Now, I know some Jet fans don't agree with that, and some Jet fans do agree with that, You know, but it's my personal take, and I don't have to apologize for it to anybody. People say, why don't you root for the Jets? They're New York. To me, to me, they're not New York. I have to leave the state to go see them. If I want to go see the Jets, i got to take two pain-in-the-ass train rides and then walk all across a giant parking lot and go to another, another state to see them. That's, that's not a home team for me. When I, when I go to see the Mets, uh, I, I, I can take an Uber there and I can be there in 15 minutes. If I want to see the Knicks, I can go see them in a 20-minute train ride Boom, right from the Long Island Railroad. Those are home teams. I don't have to leave the state. And when I when I've when I've uh, when I when I've went to jet games with people's cars from where I live, it takes forever to get there because we're going to another friggin' state. That's that's that that's not my home team. So you know that's my personal perspective. So when people say, "Well, you root for a team that's on the other side on the other side of the country." Why? Because, you know, you know about the whole 12 thing. The Seahawks are very community involved. They're they're very uh, involved with their fans. And if I really had a home team here in New York, I'd like it to be like the Seahawks, where the fans are just so involved in the franchise. And, you know, once, once you're not in New York, I can root for anybody I want. Look, you may think these are cockamamie reasons, but they're, they're my reasons. Uh, and if I was in Los Angeles, let's say I grew up in Los Angeles and the Rams left to go to St. Louis, why would I root for them? There were people that were, that were the Oilers left to go to Nashville. They didn't root for them. When the Colts left Baltimore to go to Indianapolis, they didn't root for them. They picked up another team to root for a lot of people uh, until they actually got their own franchise. So to me, if a team leaves a city personally – I really feel that it's not the same franchise. I mean, who are the Baltimore Ravens? They're the original Cleveland Browns. They picked up and left. 
you know, the Rams might have well changed their colors and changed change themselves, you know, change their whole identity when they move to St. Louis. To me, to me, it's not the same team. I'd, I'd like to hear from Ram fans on it. You know, to, the, to me, New York doesn't have a football team. The Jets and the Giants play in New Jersey. The Buffalo Bills, you could say they're the only New York team, but they play so far away from the five boroughs, it's not like they're really a home team either. New, New York City does not have a football team in the five boroughs. That's the way I personally look at it. If you're a Jet fan, you're a Giant fan, you see it, you see it another way. Yeah, that that that's fine with me. Everybody has their own personal perspective. For me, I don't have a football team in, in my home state, anywhere that I can comfortably get to to see a game. So to me, we don't have a home team. It's like, oh well, yeah, I've been to Jets and Giants games. I, I I I enjoy. There's nothing more I like than going to see a live NFL game. But, you know, it's, 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 it's really a schlep to do it. You know, when I went to Seattle this year and I went to Century League Field and I stayed in my hotel, I could easily walk to the stadium. It, it, was, it was so easy to get to, to Century League Field. If you're anywhere in downtown, boom, the stadium's right there. You don't have to, you, you, you don't have, to have a major schlep to get there. It's, it's just so easy to get to, whether it's the Mariners or the Seahawks. It's so easy to get to the ballparks. When I was in, when I was in Pittsburgh, it was real easy to get to the ballpark. Pittsburgh was like, you know, that was that was the probably the most fun I had going to a game just in terms of getting there because you go, you go to downtown, then you have to hop on the ferry and go across the water to get to, get to the Steelers' home park, so... You know, I, I particularly enjoyed going to Pittsburgh for that reason. So uh, lots more talk about things uh, always on the Fantasy Sports Network leading up to Super Bowl 53. And uh, you know, not a lot of pieces of news out there. There's a report. Uh, we've talked a lot about Antonio Brown this week. And uh, the Steelers are not giving Antonio Brown permission to seek a trade yet. So before you drop... Antonio Brown in your personal, your expert rankings. Let's not assume that he's going anywhere. The Steelers have to take a major, major cap hit in order for him to go anywhere. But the real buzz, other than the Super Bowl itself, and we saw a Super Bowl opening night last night, and there wasn't really a lot to take from it. It gets to be the same thing every year. It's like, you know, some kid doing an interview uh, people asking the same questions, and the players giving stock answers. And Julian Edelman, you know, might have been the most fun because uh, you know Julian Edelman just likes to you know talk a lot of garbage. Not that he said anything about the other team, but uh, you know Julian Edelman was least fun last night. But, but nobody said anything to really rile anybody else up. Uh, Nicole Roby Coleman said some things that maybe people consider bulletin board material for Tom Brady, but he didn't do that at, at uh, the media day last night either. So yeah, there wasn't really a lot to watch. I, I tuned in and uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of yawning because the players were really not saying anything that was really revealing. Uh, just so you to get, get see Bill Belichick smile and act like a person though was interesting. And, uh, that one kid asked Tom Brady what he thinks of the haters, and uh, Tom Brady said, "We don't hate. We we love them back." Uh, look, I'm sure Tom Brady hears the haters. How can he not? Because everybody outside of New, New England area 
hates the New England Patriots, and I think that drives him because, uh, you know, I saw a video of when Brady and the Patriots were actually uh, leaving New England and doing that rally, and he started a chant of let them know, let everybody know that we're still here, and he led the crowd in a chant of we'll st- we're still here, and the Patriots have been using this as a mantra. You know, you, you've heard it to say that nobody expected them to be here. Not because they were the, they, not the New England Patriots of the past, but because people were starting to write off the Patriots uh, around midseason or a little before saying they're not the same team. Well, that kind of reminded me of the 2000 Yankees. The 2000 Yankees weren't as dominant as everybody said, and... They started writing them off during the regular season, and the 2000 Yankees started turning on again in the postseason. That that's kind of what the Patriots did this year. The 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 last of those four World Series teams that the Yankees had in the 90s, where they were a dynasty. That last year, people started writing them off, and they still won the World Series in five games. And here come the Patriots again. Everybody writing them off in midseason. Everybody talking about how the Patriots are done, how the Patriots are not the same. And here they came when it, when it really counted. It's it's like they had an off season and they still ended up the number the number two uh the number two seed in the playoffs. Boy, you know, I really gotta watch what I talk about here. You know, yesterday my wife accused me of being a closet Patriot fan and today this morning she's accusing of me a closet Yankee fan, uh, you know, just because I show respect for these teams doesn't mean I'm a fan. I, I respect good football. I, I respect good baseball. Look, growing up as a Met fan, in the 1990s, the last thing I wanted to see was a Yankee dynasty. But, you know, how do, how do you not respect a team like that, you know, players like that? I, I've had arguments with other Met fans who are Yankee haters, uh, one of them here on this network, my friend Adam Ronis, he says Derek Jeter is, uh, you know, doesn't have Hall of Fame numbers. And with to me, it's a bigger thing with Jeter. It's like that dude, with Jeter, it's just more than just the numbers. He said Jeter never won MVP. You know, Adam Ronis is one of the top analysts in the business. But when it comes to Derek Jeter, the guy is negatively biased. He actually said that he would never have Derek Jeter on his fantasy team. So uh, the, the bias gets even the best, like Adam Ronis. But my point is, how do I not respect, you know, teams that play well like that? You know, it did, there were some Yan- Yankees from the 90s that I actually liked on that team. I always enjoyed watching Andy Pettit. He was he was a real good big game pitcher. And... Uh, you know, I, 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 I was never really a fan of Clemens before he was with the Yankees. And uh, obviously, me being a Met fan, I don't like the guy because what he did against Piazza, he couldn't get him out, so he had to throw throw in his head. But, you know, how did you not respect guys like Bernie Williams, etc.? Uh, look, everybody hates a winner. Reggie Jackson said, uh, people don't boo nobodies. And uh, he's right. You know, people boo the best players. But, you know, Davis Maddock of, of RotoExperts.com makes a good point when he calls it sports hate. You know, you can hate teams when, uh, you know, when they're playing on the field. When they're off the field, you know, take it somewhere else. Those guys are like people 
just like you and me. Just because a guy constantly beats your team is no reason to start calling him all sorts of nasty names and attacking him on Twitter. And, you know, some of these memes I see are really over the top. But I guess I have a different perspective because, you know, I've had press credentials for pro sports over the years. And uh, it's one thing to hate somebody from the stands. But I think, you know, when you know somebody up person up close and personal or get to deal with them, you realize you have to separate the on-field player from the off-field person a lot of times. It's, uh, you know, there are there are people you hear that are that, that, that are just great athletes and they play for teams you don't like, but they're hard not to like as people. It's like, I, I don't hate the Yankees anymore, but, you know, I'm not a Yankee fan, of course, but as a Met fan, it, there's just certain people like, how could you possibly hate CC Sabathia? He's like the guy's a the guy's a big teddy bear. If you're a Yankee fan, how could you hate a guy like David Wright? He's like one of the nicest people that you're ever going to meet. In NASCAR, I remember when Jeff Gordon was in his peak, and he had so many people like hating on him. And then anybody who met Jeff Gordon was like, he's the nicest guy. I I, I can't hate on him. So a lot of a lot of times the person will be able to be separated from the player. If you're mature about it, look, we all have fun talking trash to each other, whatever. But uh, sometimes it goes over the line. I, I don't like to see anybody get injured. I don't wish for anybody to get injured because when my favorite team's playing against them, I I want to beat that team at, at its best. So you know that's uh, I guess I guess I'm digressing here, but you know my ultimate point though is that you know I respect you know the Patriots. Game was busting my chops calling me a closet Patriots fan. But look, I do respect him because I'm never going to see anything like that in my lifetime. That uh, it's something very special, whether you root for the Patriots or you don't, to see a team dominate that fashion for a very long time. When I was growing up, we saw I saw the 49ers dominate for two different periods. I saw the Steelers uh, dominate for different periods. But to have basically you know, one coach quarterback combination dominate for basically you're talking, uh, you're talking well over two decades now. You know, that's, that's just unheard of in professional football. And, uh, you know, we're seeing something special here. You know, I talked about it before about how some people just want to call Montana the greatest of all time because he's never lost a Super Bowl and he's never thrown an interception in a Super Bowl. But his longevity of, uh, of success is not as long as Brady's. He wasn't, he, he got a team to f- four Super Bowls, which is incredible, but Brady's gotten his team to nine. That, that That's more than double. And he's lost four, three, because he's played at eight. He's played in twice as many as Montana. You know, Brady's, measure of Super Bowl success and getting to the game has been much more extensive than Montana's. And anybody who wants to say Montana is the greatest of all time and not Brady is just a Patriots hater. And that's all it is. I don't hate the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan either. I'm just seeing it objectively for what it is. So outside of that, we're seeing a lot of NFL draft talk as well. And uh, the latest buzz is that John Elway is absolutely in love with uh, with Michigan's Drew Locke. And, and Drew Locke is 
very much trending in the direction of being a first-round draft pick this year, going in the top 10. And especially after he played in the Senior Bowl, he had a great Senior Bowl week. He didn't he did, he did win the MVP, but he really impressed uh, people with, uh, quote, you know, how he played on the big stage, end quote. Uh, you know, there was some drop passes that really affected him. That's been a problem throughout his college career on the team that he's played. Drop passes uh, have really been an issue. Uh, sometimes in key spots for Drew Locke as well. So, you know, that's something to consider when uh, you're looking at the scouting reports for Drew Locke. But, uh, you know, all reports indicating that uh, scouts and NFL personnel really came away so impressed with Drew Locke at Senior Bowl week that has pretty much pushed him as the, uh, as the definite number two quarterback off the board in the NFL draft. So that means Drew Locke's probably going to go top 10, and the Denver Broncos are picking it at 10, and, you know, they have a journeyman quarterback. They have a, they have a ham and egger. Uh, they have a ham and egger at quarterback right now. So I'm sorry. I said Michigan. I meant Missouri. I got my M's uh, mixed up. Yes, I know where Drew Locke played his college football. Yes, for the Missouri Tiger. Don't, don't Tigers, don't bust my chops. Uh, but – the Broncos would really like to get Drew Locke at number 10. And uh, playing with Case Keenum at quarterback right now, they, they quickly found out that they weren't the answer. Well, he wasn't the answer. I don't know what John Elway was thinking going after Case Keenum. I mean, John Elway is supposed to know what, what a, what, who a quarterback is. And he probably, any, anybody with you know some football acumen can see that Case Keenum was playing over his head when he was with the Minnesota Vikings. He was surrounded by great pass receivers, a good running game, a terrific defense, and he really played over his head, and he got exposed deep in the playoffs. Uh, his numbers weren't all that great overall, yet he came, in, came to bring him in as somebody he thought could improve the quarterback situation in Denver. <laughs> and John Elway, I think, quickly learned that he made a bad decision. But I think Elway knows what the rest of us know is that quarterback is such a thin position in the National Football League. He didn't have much else out there. I would have loved to see Denver get Alex Smith. Uh, not that Alex Smith could take a team deep into the playoffs either. We've we never really saw that with Kansas City, and we only saw it once with San Francisco. And then when they they put Colin Kaepernick in there. Uh, they finally reached the Super Bowl because they got rid of Alex Smith and Kaepernick very early in his career, looking like a transcendent talent. And you know they got to they got to Super Bowl forty seven with Colin Kaepernick at quarterback and not Alex Smith. Some guys just they just are what they are, and they'll never get a team that deep into the playoffs, or maybe never win a big game. Uh, I really think that Philip Rivers is just never going to win a big game. He, he might go to the Hall of Fame for being a great regular season quarterback, but, uh, you know, I've never seen Phillip Rivers make a big clutch throw in his career. Football is a team game, yes, it's granted, but uh, Phillip Rivers has only gotten his team to the AFC Championship game once and lost. But, you know, back to, uh, I, I digress here, as my friend Dave Martinez would say, 
And we're talking here about the Denver Broncos at number 10, and they would just love to get Drew Locke. Uh, I don't know if Drew Locke is going to fall that far, though. It's uh, it, it looks like you know, Dwayne Haskins, of course, is going to be the top quarterback off the board at number six. And the Giants are hoping that Haskins falls to them at six. You know, there's a lot of rumors that team could act, teams could actually leap over the Giants in the draft, trade up. You know, even the Jets maybe at number three could trade out of that spot. There's been some talk around here that people are thinking that maybe the Jets will trade down a little bit because somebody wants to jump up into one of those top five spots and gets Haskins. If not, if, if that does happen, uh, you could see the Giants go with Drew. I could see the Giants go with Drew Locke at number six. And if Drew Locke doesn't go at number six, well, yeah, then maybe he goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars at seven. So the Broncos might have to trade up to get that real shot at Drew Locke. You know, if not, you know, they could be looking at a Murray. They could be looking at a Jones. And also, you know, there's a lot of talk at the Washington Redskins would like to have a Drew Locke at at number 15, but I don't think he's going to fall that far. Now, if there's no trades right now, and uh, of course you can't predict the trades, you're looking at number six, the Giants very likely, this is the, the scenario you would see right now in a few mock drafts that I'm seeing, is that Dwayne Haskins would go at number six, then Drew Locke would go at number seven, then you know the Broncos are probably looking at maybe Haskins or Jones at, at, at number 10. Uh, I'm sorry, not Haskins or Jones, uh, but we'll look at Kyler Murray or Jones at, uh, at number 10. Kyler Murray's being a very polarizing figure right now. And then you look at the Dolphins, they might want to take a quarterback at 13. Then really, who are the, who is Washington left with at number 15? Although a lot of uh, mock drafts have Kyler Murray going at 15. I haven't looked at Bucky Brooks's mock draft yet, but that's the first thing I'm going to take a look at, though, because I absolutely love Bucky Brooks as an NFL analyst. Uh, I think he is an absolute must as a follow on Twitter. There's certain guys that I just think are absolute must-follows on Twitter. One of the NFL guys is Bucky Brooks. It's just like such an eye for the game that you just can't miss. And him and Gil Brandt both, uh, you know, both, uh, I want to see both of their mock drafts. I believe I read that both of them have Kyler Murray going to the, the Washington Redskins at number 15, which I can see happening because some teams in that top 10 or 13 are going to want to pass on Murray just because of the height concerns. And that's the one big knock on him. It's The guy's not even as tall as Russell Wilson or Drew Brees. So he has a chance. You know, one mock draft actually had Kyler Murray going to number 31. So, you know, that's, that's a guy that you're, you're seeing his draft stock bounce all over the place. So you know, Drew Locke, though, right now, you know, all the hot talk is about him. And I, you know, watching film on Drew Locke, the compar- the pro comparisons range anywhere from from uh, Jay Cutler to Patrick Mahomes. When, when I when I look at Drew Locke on film, I don't quite see Jay Cutler. The thing that I love about Drew Locke is the absolute zip 
that he puts on his passes. He's got such a strong arm and throws a really, really nice deep ball when he's on his game. The ball absolutely flies out of his hand and uh, just tremendous zip on the deep ball. I, I've seen him play some 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 deep balls just really, really perfectly. Uh, if the guy's got time in the pocket to really read the defense, it seemed like he really got it in college uh, very often, played in a very, very tough conference, uh, which I think think is one of the things that people talk about uh, when they're looking at Drew Locke coming uh, out of college is the, the uh, level of competition he played against. But, you know, Drew Locke, is not, he's not a Lamar Jackson, but uh, he certainly will take off and show some mobility as well. He's got a tremendously strong arm. He's very aggressive. He's got the height. He's got the arm strength. The, the, the knock on him has been his decision-making. There have been comparisons to Patrick Mahomes at the high end for Drew Locke. So, uh, you know, I've heard anywhere from Jay Cutler to Drew Locke. And I've also seen some Eli Manning comparisons that he's Eli Manning with mobility. So maybe if he goes to the Giants, that would be a perfect spot for him. Because I, I, when I first kind of watched him on film, I said – he kind of does uh, remind me of Eli <coughs> a little bit with, with the way that <coughs> he throws from the pocket. Excuse me. Uh, he does remind me of Eli Manning a little bit for the way he throws from the pocket, uh, the way he quickly goes through his progressions, etc. But uh, decision-making is a real issue for him. You know, there's been drops in college that we've talked about. <coughs> from a lot of his <coughs> pass catchers. And you, you really can't hang that on him. It's really the team around him. That's their fault. But the, the decision-making is something that uh, we've heard a lot of criticism about. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a problem for him at the, at the pro level initially if he gets to start. Now, a lot of people talked about that with Mahomes coming out of college, that his decision-making and his aggressiveness could work against him, but we saw a lot of this from Mahomes. So the problem really uh, that a lot of people have talked about coming out of college for Drew Locke is uh, the decision-making and how aggressive he can be, and sometimes it works to his detriment. And people said the same thing about Mahomes coming out of college as well, that uh, the decision-making can work to his detriment, and it really hasn't at the pro level. So that, But they're two different players, uh, although that does offer you some hope. But I think watching the film and reading a lot of the scouting reports on Drew Locke is that, you know, this it isn't considered a great quarterback class coming out, uh, but that Drew Locke, Certainly, has already vaulted him as to as to he vaulted himself as the second quarterback behind Haskins, and I can see this guy starting right away. And if they don't rein back his aggressiveness, he's he's going to be erratic, but he's going to make some big plays. And if he ends up going to the Giants at number six. You really have to like it for Odell Beckham Jr. because 
You know, here's a guy that's going to come straight out of college, and I don't think he's going to be afraid to throw the deep ball. I don't th- think that he's going to be afraid to get the ball to Oldell Beckham, and the two of them could just be a great connection. Fantasies-wise, dynasty and keeper-wise, et cetera, uh, I would love to see Drew Locke go to the Giants. I think it only helps sustain the elite uh, the, the elite uh, status of Odell Beckham Jr. And then a dynasty draft, knowing that he's going to have that kind of weaponry, throwing a Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, having Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. The offensive line needs a lot of work, but to have all that weaponry and run support around him, that, that would make Drew Locke appeal to me a lot in a rookie draft. If he goes to Jacksonville at number seven, Jacksonville has some run support. They don't have, uh, you know, if Leonard Fournette can stay healthy, which is a big if. The receiving core is not all that great, though. But that's a team that's built on a running game and a defense. And the final puzzle piece might be the quarterback. I wouldn't like it as much as going to the Giants. If he somehow fell to the Denver Broncos at number 10, I think he walks into a situation where he's got two young top potential wide receivers there. And I think the Broncos are always going to find a way to sustain a quality running game, and I really, really like Phillip Lindsay, So that's a good landing spot for him too. But uh, I think I'd have a lot of optimism in rookie drafts with Drew Locke, probably the most optimism. If he was to go to the New York Giants, that, that's where I'd really like to see him go. And uh, look, the if the Miami Dolphins and the Washington Redskins really want a chance at uh, at at this guy, they'll you know they'll have to find some sort of way to trade up because they just there's really no way I think they can get a shot at a Drew Lock otherwise. And you know, you look at the look at the quarterback curse of controversy that's still existing with two veterans, uh, with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. It's it's not really a controversy at all because Nick Foles is expected to leave town, you think, or he's going to stay in Philadelphia and accept being a backup. You know, there's some talk with Foles recently that he'd like to stay in Philadelphia, uh, that he's not looking to make a big amount of money, that he's he's uh, comfortable with the coaching staff. To me personally, I've had Eagles fans and football fans ask me, who would I want between Carson Wentz and Nick Foles if I had to choose? I'm on the Nick Foles side. Not that I don't like Carson Wentz. And look, they'll have to get rid rid of Foles because they have bottom three, the Eagles, in terms of salary cap. And they need to free up some money to help that secondary, to help that running game, etc. Um... I'd like to see him play, make a play for a Mark Ingram, like I've said so many times before, or you know, put together like a Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray comp- combination. If if Peterson wants to go with multiple backs, the secondary needs a lot of help. It's a luxury, I think, for them to have Falls and Wentz. So they may have to get rid of luxury in order to just deal with what what is necessity. Now Carson Wentz. You know, that's a guy that they can save some money on by getting rid of Foles, and they feel that they can win with him. And I don't blame him because we Wentz has looked either good or very good when he's healthy. 
It's not a major, major drop-off. It's just – but if I personally had to choose, if you just put both of those guys in front of me and I had to choose one, you know, not looking at the financial factor, I, I'd, I'd have to choose Nick Foles because that guy's 4-1 in the playoffs. He's already won a Super Bowl. And the comp quarterback uh, coach combination of Peterson and Foles is a proven winning combination. Carson Wentz is not a proven winner yet at the level that Nick Foles is. I would find it very, very hard personally to get rid of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. So what my answer to that, I, I'd, I'd rather keep Nick Foles. Fantasy-wise, though, uh, you know, I, I think if Foles stayed there, that we've seen some good games with him. Uh, it's better for all shot Jeffrey. If he stays there, Carson Wentz has thrown you know, different quarterbacks have different guys that they like throwing to. Uh, if Wentz is there, I don't know if I like Jeffrey as much. Uh, obviously, it's better for Ertz, and I think it's also better for Nelson Aguilar fantasy-wise. No real big baseball news today, but uh, we'll continue to talk fantasy baseball here. Uh, a lot of football is now Roto Experts. is now 365 NFL uh, we were NFL all year round. Check it out now. The latest top 141 to 50 is posted right now at rotoexperts.com. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow as we continue to lead it up to Super Bowl week here on the Roto Experts Daily Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.